Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last over the last couple months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. My all types of shows. My favorite part about the Game Time app, a feature that allows you a feature that allows you to click on any seat in a venue and get a panoramic get a panoramic view of what you would see from that seat. Well, now Game Time with $10 credit. Here's what to do. I'm app in the Google Play or App Store. Tickets section of the app. Create enter the billing section, redeem the code. These again, that's the athletic, all $10 off your first purchase. Credit is only available to the who redeem the code, and it expires at December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last minute. Everybody and welcome to a fresh edition edition of the Rainbow Skyline Podline Podcast, a podcast about the Denver Nuggets from your friends at the Athletic. I am your host Nick Cosmider, and this is our last podcast of our last podcast of of 2019, the last podcast of the decade. We're rolling into this. Today. We're rolling into this today. This is going to be our our lone podcast for this week. Another holiday week, so we'll just have the one podcast. This is free. Uh, you're may, maybe listening to it on S. But again, let your friends know that if you want our subscriber bonus episodes, that's one episodes a week where we talk to opposing writers, uh, we do different things, break down games, um, just have a lot of different categories. You can get that episode in the Athletic app by signing up for a subscription at theathletic.com slash rainbow skyline. That will give you 40% off an annual subscription. Uh, I'm thrilled today to be joined by my good friend TJ McBride, host of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast at the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and you can find his great writing at MileHighSports.com. My friend, the human energy drink, <laughs> TJ McBride. Dude, yes. I'm so glad we get to sit down and do this. We, it's been – when was – the last time we podcasted was the podcast too. The podcast. <laughs> the how many different ways we can skin a cat and all that chaos. Yeah, but, man. Yeah. So it's, it's crazy we, we haven't been we, able to talk yeah, yet. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. We, we, yeah, yeah, we had a – the podcast to which uh, TJ refers was at the beginning of training camp. Last uh, not this year, last yeah. year in San Diego. Um, you know, sometimes you're it's beginning of the year. There's basketball to talk about, and then you just you just go off the rails. So maybe maybe <laughs> we'll go off the rails today. Uh, but anyway, we're here today to talk about. Uh, we're gonna have a little bit of a year in review. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to doing this because you know you, you don't miss anything. You're like a fine tooth comb, and so I know that you're gonna be able to bring um, a lot of cool insight into um, the most not only like maybe the most important moments for the Nuggets uh, from January 1st, 2019 to now. Um, but but maybe just some of the things that you thought were most fun or the most interesting or, or maybe most under the radar, uh, wherever this takes us, yeah. uh, I'm sure we're going to have fun. But I would be remiss if we didn't start this off um, with what we saw last night, the, the debut in the starting lineup for Michael Porter Jr., 19 points, 8 of 10 shooting, 6 rebounds. Um, you know, just a debut that you don't really see every day, TJ. Just just give me kind of your your general thoughts of what you thought about uh, MPJ last night. So much of MPJ is theoretical. Like you weren't sure exactly how it would translate, but when you see him at seemingly every kind of shot imaginable in one game in his first start playing alongside the starters that so many people hope he will eventually mesh with down the line, it was all of the flashes you wanted to see at once. There were some dreadful defensive possessions. There were some incredible shot making. It was a lot of a mixed bag still, but I don't think you could ever hope for a better debut from someone like Michael Porter Jr., 
only played two college games in like five minutes um, before high school and now. So for him to be able to get to this point, already be this productive and someone who can show those kinds of flashes at an NBA level, it was really encouraging. He looked like he fit. And it was yeah. one of those things where it's hard not to start thinking to the future now. But, that, you know, and that, that's such a good point because I, I think that that run, you know, again, 26 minutes uh, of playing mostly with the starters, uh, albeit Paul Millsap wasn't in last night. Um, it was it was just one of those situations where this is almost like what I felt like I needed to see in order to say this could be a guy that helps you in a playoff situation mm-hmm. in which you need, you know, a guy that can just go score. I mean, we're talking about these and, and I agree with you. The different ways that he can score is what's been most impressive to me because Michael Porter Jr. knows that his DNA directs him to score the basketball. Yeah. And it's not even from some sort of like, I want the attention, I want um, – it's not even like a selfish thing when a lot of times you think about all oh, these – you know, a guy just wants to kind of have the glory of getting buckets. He just understands that that's sort of like his basketball destiny. He's supposed yeah. to score. That's how he's programmed. And to me, the fact that even in limited amounts of time prior to last night that he's played, whether it's – running the floor or whether it's getting on the offensive glass or in in the situations we saw um, just creating a shot over somebody. uh, That's what's really impressed me is that he, he has understood and kind of swallowed the fact that he's not having a role he's used to Mm -hmm. and then still generating offense. He had three offensive rebounds uh, in, in his, in his start that directly contributed to seven points, two offensive Mm -hmm. dunk putbacks and, um, and another rebound that he kicked out to a three to Will Barton. So just, just on like, that's when you talk about a guy making an impact, you know, that's impactful. And that assist to Will Barton off the offensive rebound, I found so interesting in its own little play kind of vacuum is because if you're Michael Porter Jr. and you're six of six from the field, you're shooting after that offensive rebound. But the awareness still, like he understood how this Nuggets team plays. He understood there was a better shot than the shot that he had and he made the pass. Those are things I did not expect to see from him this year. I did not think his motor would be as high as it is. I did not think his willingness to accept the role as an offensive rebounder, as an off-ball shooter, as a disrupting low-end kind of defender, I didn't think he would buy into these roles in the way that he has. And it's been very, very interesting to see how much he's accepted that and how willing he has been to be that guy. I mean, Adam Adez of DNVR, he had a, a quick little film study he did about the C corner play they run Mm -hmm. where Jamal Murray sets up a screen down for Michael Porter Jr. And what he's able to do for this Nuggets offense in the half court just by adding his size and skill level, if you switch that screen, he's going to score through a smaller man like he did when he just put an easy floater over De'Aaron Fox. If you don't switch it, he's got a half step on the big and he's going to score because he's faster than you. There are so many things that he makes it almost unguardable a lot of these sets that they didn't have prior. Will Barton can do it, but he's not 6'10". Like there's a part of this he's just really tall and it makes it so much more you know dynamic overall in my opinion well yeah and so somebody asked me today they were like he's like do, do they have another guy that like can create that step back you know off the dribble he's like and this person was saying i know jamal can do it from time to time i've seen will make that shot i'm like yeah no there's guys that can do that but none of them are almost seven yeah. feet tall and and when you are when you have that kind of length you 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 have an automatic open shot almost anytime you want and and he showed that like okay I, I've got the ball. You know, I, I like the one where he uh, he took the handoff from Mason Plumlee, got Rashawn Holmes switched on to him, um, and just said, "I'm going to take my time and do my thing." He sized him up, um, you know, kind of shuffled to the side and hit a three pointer in his face, and then comes back on the very next play, 25 seconds later, and has the kind of the thunderous putback of the Monte Morris missed layup in transition. So you're just seeing within the span of like 25 seconds, again, just showing multiple things that he can do. 
Um, you know, I'm sure we, we could we should, we could go on half an hour talking <laughs> yeah. about this guy. But again, just uh, you you couldn't you couldn't come away with that anything other than impressed. And he wasn't playing in spite of the offense. He was playing within it. Like he could have gotten up way more shots than ten if he wanted to. This wasn't a circumstance in which he was going out of his way just to take shots. He took these isolation shots when the offense broke down. Mm-hmm. He found a way to cut and be involved in the offense. So I thought that was really encouraging. But you're right. Yeah. We can talk about yeah. this forever. <laughs> well, I, well, I just want to add on to your point, and, and I like that about the about the isolation. Buckets because as we know this this Nuggets team partly because of the pace it plays at um, you know some other some other reasons um, both identifiable and some kind of mysterious they they take more shots in the final four seconds of the shot clock than almost anybody in the league and a lot of times Jamal Murray is the guy left holding the bag and he's you know he's creating and he's trying to get around defenders and that's not necessarily his skill set of being able to blow by a guy or, or, or create these kind of shots. Um, he can certainly hit tough shots, but again, a, a steady diet of him being forced into these actions late in the shot clock um, is tough. Porter represents a guy who like, ah, oh, darn it, we really didn't get the action we wanted. There's only four seconds left. Let's give it to the seven-footer who can yeah. shoot over almost anybody. It's just a different element. It right? is. And that's how dynamic they are now. And that's the one thing they didn't have was a jumbo wing who can do everything for you offensively. They're extremely rare. So the idea that this is the one thing they're missing yeah. is kind of a farce, a but it's zone. true. It's, it's, the, it's really that last piece to put them over the top offensively, to make this team truly unguardable if he reaches that actual sustainable level of play that he had last night. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll again, we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll, we might even touch on him throughout the course of this conversation. I almost added him to the list just for fun. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. So, yeah, th- this year in review, um, again, so so when we're talking about January 1, 2019, this this is sort of the, the Nuggets entered the new year on a roll. Mm-hmm. Um, that They came out of the gates to start the 2018-19 uh, season, and, and they, they, they started off 9-1. and one, And it was clear from the very start that this team that had missed the playoffs by one game in each of the prior two seasons – was not going to leave anything to chance, um, that, that they were going to come out and play desperate. It's what led them to 54 wins. But particularly when when the calendar turned and, and you're talking about a team that um, was building up toward, okay, understanding, yeah, now we're going to be in the playoffs, but just how do we make ourselves try to hum at our best when we get there? Um, it was working at times. There were definitely some dips in the road. Um, but but what I guess at the beginning of this this year, what was sort of the one thing um, in that time frame that kind of stuck out to you or the first thing maybe? I think the biggest thing is Paul Millsap's influence. You can go back to say when he signed as like a big turning point. But Paul Millsap came into that training camp over 18 months ago, whatever it was, and said, we can be a top five defense. And we all laughed in yeah. San Diego like that at the time. It seemed completely inexplicable that someone make that kind of goal. But somehow his influence on this team also paired with Michael Malone, which I'm sure I'll get to later on. But that influence that he had on that defense, on the court and off the court mentally, it started a trend. It started something that became the identity of this Denver Nuggets team now. 18 months ago, if you told me the identity of this team was defense, like you get laughed out of the room for that. But Paul Millsap, regardless of all of those things, regardless of all the questions about the roster construction, still managed to implement that idea. And it built into something that they were top 10 last year, and they're still, what, second this year in defensive rating in the league. And not just the defensive influence. Getting Nikola Jokic to understand that he is the franchise player here and how to play that way. I don't think Nikola Jokic gets there without Paul Millsap's influence. That's, I mean, it, it, it's a fair point, and, and it's hard to imagine that he would have. You know, you look at, I was just looking at this today, and I know that, you know, catch-all individual defensive ratings can, you know, the, they can be a little bit misleading, but... You know, he, he his Nikola's defensive rating this season at, at 102 points per 100 possessions is the best of his career, and it's almost like he it, it's not as if I, you look at him and say he's 
he's gotten just like more aggressive or he's done anything. It's just he's so much more accepting, as you mentioned, of the fact that that's what he has to do. And, and he, he understands he understands their coverages. He understands their rules. He understands where he has to be. And he, in my mind, has a much greater grasp of opposing teams personnel. Uh, and, and you're right. Paul Millsap was the catalyst for that. Um, I, I think there's other players who, um, you know, guys like Gary Harris and, and Torrey Craig who have that um, obviously defensive gene in them. But kind of needed that that one linchpin to, yeah. to, to, to work around, and, and that's what they've done. Again, you're absolutely right. To go from one of the worst defenses in the league to last year a top ten, and really they were like top five or six, seven. Yeah, it wasn't until the fall off. Like they had April, last, yeah, yeah, last couple, last few weeks of the season, um, they kind of had a pretty steady drop off. But you're you're absolutely right because they don't they don't get to where they were last year. Uh, without that defense, my, my first thing that stuck out to me in 2019 was was a road game in February, and it, it was in Minnesota. And the the Nuggets that night knew that if they won that game, they would enter. That was like the cutoff day for who was going to coach the All Star yeah. team, right? So whoever was in first place after that night, their coach would be the coach of the All Star game. And the Nuggets were in position where if they beat the Timberwolves that night, it would be Michael Malone. It was an it was an incredible game. I, I remember it for the uh, baseball pass baseline yeah. out of bounds pass. Nicole Jokic made to Malik Beasley. <laughs> um, that was you know that was one of the moments in that game that I remember. Uh, but in that locker room, it was the same place that one year earlier they had they had their playoff dreams crushed. They lost in game eighty two. Um, you know, ten it was ten months earlier at that point, uh, and just had their hearts broken. So here they are celebrating in this same locker room where all this misery had existed. They're dousing Michael Malone in, in water and, and whatever they can find, any vessel that can contain liquid, they're using it to, 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 just, to drench him. And, you know, he said after that night, like, I was in a dark place in April of 2018 when we lost that game. Um, you know, I wasn't a good dad. I wasn't a good father. Uh, I, I was just kind of, you know, in my own head. I was miserable. And, you know, that, you know, fans get get really worked up and all this kind of stuff. It, it pales in comparison to how much these guys carry, you know, what happened and, it was a heavy, heavy thing, and so to me to see that get lifted, it was almost like it was almost kind of like a um, an acknowledgement of all that they had been through, and that, that that night I thought was really special. It's a great thing that you brought up this game because I honestly don't remember a second of the game <laughs> other than that pass. What I remember was getting the text from one of the Nuggets front office members of the video of Michael Malone celebrating with all of his players, and you're right, just like there was a gravity that kind of does lessened on top of him, and Michael Malone carries these things with him, and also Michael Malone was a guy that in my opinion was inexplicably fired by the Kings despite doing a very good job. How could you have comfort after losing a game 82 like that and then coming up the gates hot but still not quite knowing where you're going to stand still waiting for an extension i believe at that time too he, he had he was extended at the beginning oh, okay. of the season you're so right in, okay in, uh, in october of 2018 so a couple months prior but still to have that that weight lifted off of you of knowing that you were able to overcome those demons that had plagued you a year before and like you said put them in such a dark place after having been so much instability in years prior it allowed michael malone to kind of just take a deep breath yeah. And I think from that point forward, the Nuggets team played loose. They played fun. And despite the fact that you're right, they played intensely every single game that year. It was joyful, seemingly all, for almost every single game. And I think a big part of that was that Malone wasn't as stressed. It, it did feel like there was a big weight coming off his shoulders. That yeah, it gave, it, gave them, it, gave them, it gave them credibility. Um, it's it, it sort of, I thought, um, you know, it, it, again, you mentioned it. He, a couple years earlier, this is a guy who, who was fired just – just barely into his second season in Sacramento, despite the fact that they 
Um, you know, had started off pretty well that year. Then Demarcus Cousins, their best player, goes down. Meningitis. Yeah, right. <laughs> such you a know, random of, thing to get fired of all for. things. Um, you know, and there were some certainly some philosophical differences between he and the front office. But um, you know, again, uh, an unceremonious exit. He comes here uh, and just has built it every single year. Uh, from from 33 wins to 40 to 46 to 54. Now they're on pace to win 56 games this year. Whether they'll get there or not, I don't know. But again, just just every year in year out, steady improvement. And I know you you had said before we got on that 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 kind of leads to um, to another one of of this year's in your mind mo- most important important things. Yeah, Michael Malone getting his extension this year was a very meaningful thing for me because. First of all, a two-year contract extension when you're in the first year of your previous extension, it's not a ton of stability. It still is kind of a prove-it contract, but he's not looking at his over his shoulder anymore. Mm-hmm. He can play Michael Porter Jr. and start him in a game and not worry about losing the game, missing the playoffs, or becoming a five-seed or whatever it is, potentially getting fired, which happens to a lot of coaches oh, yeah. in this league. It's not saying the Nuggets would have, but this is something that has become a trend in this league. Coaches are usually the first on the axe. And for him to be able to get that extension, especially early on in the season, and to be able to go forward with the stability, with the alignment, with the chemistry that not just the team has, but ownership, front office, coaching staff, and roster construction all the way down. That is what allows this Nuggets team to continue to build what they have. And no teams are really doing this. I don't know a team that has been this consistent from top to bottom from roster all the way through ownership like this in the league right now. I mean, you can look at the Spurs, but they're about to blow it up potentially too. There aren't teams who are able to do this. And for Michael Malone to be the biggest part of it, like Josh Crocky said the continuity starts with Malone. That was very, very meaningful for me, and it shows that the Nuggets believe they have a lot more ahead of them, and they believe Malone's the guy. Yeah, I, I even remember when he signed the first extension that you were talking about because he entered he entered last season in the final year of, mm-hmm. of his deal, um, and, and he signed that or they they announced the extension on the first day of the season in Los Angeles, and it was one of those situations where. Um, you're right. It, it, it granted stability, but I even remember at the time, kind of r- researching and writing that you're right. It was it was to have the the ownership, fr- uh, front office, and coaching um, kind of triumvirate. They were already at that point among the kind of legal, I guess, leaders in terms of um, just how cohesive and, and how mm-hmm. like how much stability within that group existed. And now here we are, 14 months later, and it's even you know they've widened that gap even further in, in terms of how they relate as a group that has been together for a long time. And then you add that, that their star player has been in place, uh, you know, in his role since 26, late in 2016, um, that the, that the other starters around him have been in those similar roles, uh, for about the same amount of time or, or close to it. Um, so you're right. It's, it's the brand, it's their brand, you know, mm-hmm. continuity cohesion. That's their brand. They've leaned into it. And, and his extension a couple weeks ago, uh, was just another example of that. Yeah, I'm going to steal another idea from Adam Myers again, but this is the true process. Care to give him I know, I know, <laughs> but this is the process team now. Yeah. Like the Sixers traded in their process. They did what they could to, you know, have that process, get all those picks, but then they traded it all in trying to get guys to be stars at that point. The Nuggets are the last remaining true process team that started a rebuild, built through the draft, got one free agent signing that put, that put them over the top in terms of Nuggets perspective. They're not elite title contenders right now, but gave them that opportunity. There are teams who do that. And for a Nuggets team that's a small market team, they kind of have to. Like You're not going to see Kevin Durant coming here. Like, that's not a reality that we could ever hope that is going to be here. Um, so for them to be able to be that process, process team and to show it with that Malone extension again that they are not going away from that ideology was very encouraging for me. yeah I, I agree we talk about physical fitness a lot but there's another side to the game that's just as important 
I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For LeBron James, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. He says, getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. With Calm, you also have access to nature scenes LeBron loves, like rain on leaves, and so much more, like sleep stories and meditations. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash nuggets. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash nuggets. That's calm.com slash nuggets. My my, uh, my next moment in the year that that uh, will stick out to me uh, in 2019 was Nikola Jokic's first All-Star game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, he, here's a guy who, uh, since being put into the starting lineup, it's like it's like National Nuggets Day now, December 15th, 2016. Every every Nuggets fan knows it, knows the story by heart that um, you know Michael Malone, in the midst of a team that was was really struggling out of the gates, um, decided to stop with the. Um, kind of the two big man lineup with with he and Yusuf Nurkic and said, listen, he he's our player. We're going to put him at the center position, and their offense has been among the very best in the league ever since. But you know, last year was was the sea change when he finally started to get that recognition. Yes, last year was uh, his best statistical season uh, of his career, um, but it, it wasn't so far removed from, from what he had done the year prior to where you're saying like it it wasn't just that he had shown up on the stage. Um, last year, but we know in the league this, these kind of things take time. You, yeah. you have your breakout season, um, which he did in eighteen nine or uh, seventeen eighteen, and then you know then kind of the the recognition, the narrative starts to come around, and um, you know he was obviously a deserving a de- deserving All Star. Uh, but to have have their their franchise player, even though his All Star game appearance was somewhat limited, wasn't wasn't super. <laughs> He's not an so All Star game kind of player. True. Let's be very so, honest. Certainly too. true. Um, but but. You know what, what? What did you? What was your kind of thought of, of what that meant for the Nuggets? What that weekend meant for him, and, and and just for for what it you know what it said about Denver. So 2017-18, the year before all of this, I was wondering if this was kind of a uh, to use a football analogy. Is this a new starting quarterback that no one has any film on? Like, is there kind of a potential that this isn't sustainable because he is so unique and so one of a kind that maybe there is something there that isn't sustainable for Jokic to then come out and massively improve upon. That? that season, it made it real. It made it seem like this is not a farce. This is somebody who can absolutely be a top five player in the league at some point and is deserving not just of the all-star, but a first-team all-NBA selection as well at the center position. So that was the moment that it seemed like this was something that they can ride for years, potentially a decade or more, because he is this player. And this is exactly who he's going to keep being. And there's nothing really about it that isn't sustainable other than his own, you know, yeah. he gets passive time to time and Jokic is Jokic. But that's part of what comes with finding a franchise player. You have to be able to compromise to make them the best version of themselves. And the Nuggets knew that that year because it wasn't a one-off anymore. It wasn't a year and a half in small sample size that he was able to do this. This was, he is dominant, he has been dominant, and he will continue being dominant. Yeah, and, and we'll touch on the playoffs shortly, but even... The fact that he even from that great level that got him to the All Star game to have then, you know, upped it to a level we, you know, even those of us who, um, you know, whatever sung the gospel of Jokic mm-hmm. or understood just how impactful and dynamic he was, still surprised 
you know, even the diehards, the way he played in the playoffs, for sure, um, was able to just keep taking it to another level. So yeah, I, I think that All Star berth represented just um, just what he meant and, and how the Nuggets approached, um, like you said, building around him and fully giving him the keys to the franchise. I thought I thought it kind of represented all that. Um, what was your kind of next? What was what was another moment? Let's just you? go to the playoffs because that was on my yeah. list. Was Jokic really answering the call? Because when you have a slow-footed, plodding, ground-bound center who is usually defensive deficient in a playoff series, you're going to start getting worried about how he's going to be able to produce. Jokic answered all of those questions. His conditioning was fine. Played 64 minutes in one game. Had multiple triple doubles. Put up a stat line that only Oscar Robertson has ever put up in a playoff in a playoff appearance. Not even just a series. Yeah. With an appearance, and he was playing 13 and nine. Yeah, and Oscar played 42 minutes a game, not 39 like, like Nicola yeah. did. So there was it was really impressive to see him answer. Not only can you score, not only will the playmaking still be there, but I can defend. He's not going to be a guy who is played off the floor. He's not going to be a, be a guy who can't finish games because he's gassed. All of those questions, every single one of them was answered, and the Nuggets realized they have the best player in almost any playoff series. That is such a huge moment for a team to realize because if you're going to win in playoffs, you need that superstar player to carry you through when things get bad. The Nuggets shot stopped falling. Like Everyone will remember those playoff series as they missed every single open three imaginable. But despite that, Jokic carried that team because he was the superstar that every team needs to really be successful in the playoffs. I did not think he would answer every question. I thought he'd answer a few of them. But to do that in your very first appearance, to answer every single question, to play 64 minutes. Like I can't get past the fact he played two basketball games in one. Well, yeah. And how about the fact that that triple over or quadruple overtime yeah. game in, in Portland? Triple or quadruple? Quadruple. Quadruple, yeah. Quadruple. Um, in, in Portland. Um, they get fuzzy after a while. Yeah, oh my goodness. <laughs> but the fact that they, they – so they lose that game and everybody just says, well, that's that's it. You I was can, one of yeah, them. I was like, just, how do you, you bounce back Do not come back from that. The fact that he came back the very next game um, and and helped them get right back into the series. Ultimately, they took a 3-2 lead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, there will always be a, a lot of um, – you know, a lot of what ifs because, like you said, Jamal Murray four for nineteen uh, in Game Seven couldn't couldn't make a three. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what the three point, final three point stat line was, but you blow a seventeen point lead in Game Seven against the Trailblazers because you can't hit a three. I mean that you know that that's that's also going to be part of part of the year memory because as great as last season was and, and as important as all those steps were, I, I still think that th- there was something that was kind of you know left on the table mm-hmm, and sure. and to me. Um, you just hope that now going into this next playoff run that will occur in 2020, that the lessons of that night are enough to to get them over that hump, whatever they may be. Um, whether those lessons inform what they're going to do at the trade deadline um, or whatever the case might be, I just think that if, if they don't learn from whatever happened and figure out a way to counteract um, being so dependent on, on that shot making or whatever the case might be, um, you know, they're doomed to, to repeat the same same fate. I'm going to be that contrarian devil's advocate, just loser, because I have to for a minute here. But Please. at the same time as yes, like there are still a lot to prove. It felt like there was a bad taste in their mouth. They managed to play the matchup game leading into the playoffs perfectly. They played Portland and San Antonio. They did not play Houston. They did not play any of these dominant teams that they can't really match up with. So 
did they potentially look like they overperformed when we do get to the playoffs this year? I think that is still potentially on the table. I'm not buying into it fully. I don't think there's like a high odds of this, but they played the two worst teams in the Western Conference playoff rounds. And I do wonder if that skewed our perception a little bit because let's be honest, Enes Kanter cannot check Nikola Jokic. No. Like that's a big part of this too, I think. So I'm curious how it's going to be this year. I'm very, very curious because teams know what he's going to do and it's not going to be new. It's not going to be like we said, we weren't sure what he was going to be able to produce like in the playoffs. That's all known now. And I'm very, very curious how that plays out this year. Yeah, and, and you, you you mentioned it. They they got the perfect draw that they that they wanted and couldn't quite capitalize on it. You the, the part of the what if is that you know, even even once Portland got to the Western Conference Finals, they were a bad matchup, even mm-hmm. for a handicapped for sure. Golden State team. But but Denver had shown both last year and in years mm-hmm. prior um, that they were a better matchup against the Warriors. So it, it just remains the the ultimate what if. So much. There's so many different what ifs about it. It's not one thing that you're like, if that changed. There's so many weird aspects of that playoff run for sure. Yeah, but but again, all of this made for for certainly what I thought was an exciting year, and that's even before you get into the summer mm-hmm. um, in in which they. Which they add, Jeremy Grant was nowhere near the seismic, earth-shattering news that, that the Western Conference top contenders, uh, the Rockets, the Clippers, and the Lakers, all did by adding, you know, former MVP-level players. Um, yeah. So, so that kind of dominated the summer headlines. Um, and then the, the 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 last end of 2019 has been, um, you know, kind of just a weird zone, right? Like the, the, this team right now, as we sit here on December 30th is, is 23 and nine. They're, they're two games better than they were after 32 so games fun. last year. They're building on their best start in franchise history every single game. Right. Like. Right. And it's a team that, you know, Will Barton's, you know, I was asking him last night and he said, you know, it's both, it's both um, exciting and frustrating to know that um, we are sitting in this position, but haven't, haven't played as well as we need to play yet. Um, but, but what's, what's been, I guess, if you had to take away one thing from, you know, October 1st, 2019 <laughs> until now, what, what's, what's just your biggest thing within that window? It's just if the Nuggets stop blowing these late game leads. Like, <laughs> honestly, where is this team at if they aren't doing that all of the time? But I do wonder if this team's kind of matured past December regular season basketball. Like Michael Malone said at a training camp, they're preparing for a 110 game season, not an 82 game season. I wonder if they just know what it takes to win. Which, obviously, that it becomes very precarious from time to time, and you're going to get lost you probably shouldn't have. But I wonder if that's part of it. But I do – if they play with the same relentlessness they had last year, where they felt like every win could be the win that kept them out of the playoffs, how good would they be right now? Right. Because that's really the question that goes through because, like you said, this Nuggets team is nowhere near where they should be. Michael Malone said it. It's good that we go up by 20, but it's frustrating to figure out why we lose it every time. Yeah, it's was, better than being down by 20 or right. whatever he said. He but, said he's going to go into the new year with a, a more glass-half-full approach. So, <laughs> hey, at least we're not down 20 having to come back <laughs> and ultimately falling short. But that's a really good point you bring up because Will, Will Barton, going back to that conversation, said the same thing. He's like, look, we've done it in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Like Once you win 54 games, you get the number two seed. Like – there's there's really nothing that they can do in the regular season this year that will like um, you know put them on any kind of different level will will add any credibility to them it really that that part of it doesn't matter so what he said is we have to figure out a way to be playing our very best basketball when the playoffs start I don't think they were quite there last year they, I, I, don't I think, I think so they, they had some up and downs now granted. Jokic's performance, which we just talked about, kind of helped cover up that fact a lot. But they weren't really gelling uh, well. I think they were tired because of maybe yeah. partly because of that desperation that they mm-hmm. played with every single night. The fact that their bench was also thinner last year, um, you know, as good as the bench was, it was thinner because there were so many injuries. 
Um, you've got a lot of guys this year that toward the end of the season are going to be really fresh, I think. Well, remember um, how banged up Jamal Murray was yeah. by the playoffs at that point? He was dealing with like a shoulder injury, a quad injury from taking so many of those illegal screens and like a forearm contusion. There were like four or five bang up injuries yeah. that he was dealing with. If they can avoid those and if you lose four more games this year and you avoid that, it's a win. Yeah, no, certainly. And again, it's. It's not. It's not a. It's not a measure of their wins and losses. It's. It's really not. He, and again, Will Martin said that doesn't mean we don't want to be playing better. We want to. We want to figure it out. But again, with this team, uh, the number one goal is is to be playing the very best uh, when April, May, uh, and and their hopes June roll around. Before we end, give me give me one prediction. Uh, it could be about anything, um, small, large, fun, serious. Give me one prediction about the Nuggets in twenty twenty. In twenty twenty. So that could be the end of this season, the start of next season. I think Nikola Jokic leads the league in triple doubles by the end of this year. Okay, that, that's the Where, only. He's at seven now. He's Where at that stand? Luca's at nine, he, and he's tied with LeBron for second, who also has seven. Okay, so he's two away from Luca, despite not playing anywhere near his best for the first month of the season. He has what five this month? Yes, five in December. Yeah, so I, that's that's the thing I keep looking at is is Nikola Jokic going to start becoming that triple double darling, and the national exposure does come for this Nuggets team because I find that really interesting. The other thing I would say is that Michael Porter Jr. is going to make himself stuck in this rotation by the way he plays if he keeps getting minutes like this he's just going to get better and better and better each day does he start opening night 2020 no i don't think so i'm looking at his first major leap in the middle of next year middle of next year. yeah having an off season of being able to really acclimate yourself with a foundation of playing a season then start out bad like most software players do and then that leap will kind of click i think but honestly with the way that he's playing and how much you can see the mental acuity kind of building for this game for him it could happen sooner but i'm not all the way there with my Porter yet. My prediction also surrounds Jokic. I think by the end of the season, he will once again be first-team All-NBA center. Yeah, for sure. I, I actually really agree with that. And part, I mean, part of that is because his main competition, um, Joel Embiid, hasn't particularly played yeah. all that well either to this point. Um, you know, or Towns, who hasn't won enough games. There, yeah. you, you can't have a guy that their team is, is not winning at all um, in that conversation. So it'll be pretty um, a, a pretty great feat considering where he started. Um, and my other one, I think the Nuggets will be in the Western Conference Finals this year. Hmm. So I, I, I think, and so much of it is dependent upon upon the matchup that they get in the second round. But, yeah, you know, and again, look, there's going to be, um, you know, that they might get a, a Utah that finished sixth and, and they're third, and, and you could have some real danger in the first round. But but I think they get by that, and then it, it will <clears throat> depend so much on how the matchup shakes, but. I, I like them better against Houston this year than I would have last year. Oh, for sure. Unequivocally. Well, you can I, just sag off Russ. Yeah. I think a lot easier. I think they have I think they finally have the tools to, to kind of to win that matchup. So they have to get it. So maybe that's yeah. the caveat because if you Lakers, pull Lakers or Clippers, Lakers or Clippers, provided those teams are healthy, of course. Um, it, it's a it's a it's a tough road to hoe at that point. So but you know, here, here's here's to a glass half full of champagne going into 2020. <laughs> Michael Malone's five minutes of a like glass a, half full mentality. <laughs> five minutes, five minutes celebration of champagne. TJ, man, this this was awesome. Really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, man, I'll have to have you on mine one of these days. Absolutely, <laughs> Any, anytime. Well, again, th- thank you all for joining us. Thank you, thank you for supporting the show this year. Um, great things to come in 2020. Again, um, tell your friends, tell your dog, tell your grandpa. <laughs> go on to iTunes. Uh, go, you know, go on to Stitcher, wherever, uh, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Rate us. Um, you know, give us a rating. If it's bad, maybe just skip it. Do something else. <laughs> Unsubscribe and resubscribe too. It just keeps counting. <laughs> it just keeps counting. You, you've got the you got the metrics all figured out. But again, we appreciate it. Keep it locked in. And until next time, thanks for stopping by.